Welcome into the Daily Wolves podcast. I'm your host, Trip, joined as always by fellow host Evan. Very special episode. We've got the man, the myth, the legend, everyone's favorite, everyone's favorite Minnesota Timberwolf, Luca Garza. We've got his dad, Frank, on. Frank, thanks for cop- hopping on. And what did you think of the win last night? Well, thank you both for having me. And I uh, was uh, thrilled about the win last night. Great to have uh, two overtime wins. It shows a lot of guts and uh, growth and, uh, and uh, teamwork. Uh, uh, by every member, so I'm very, very thrilled. Yeah, what a, what a, what a way to start the uh, new year. They've been looking good, and and quite frankly, our rebounding. Your son has been a pivotal piece of that. They really have struggled early on in the season, and and the the rebounding has gotten a lot better, specifically on the defensive side. So certainly grateful for that. Um, we'll dive right into it. I'd love to hear from you. I so I actually live in a suburb of Detroit, Michigan, called Gross Points. I'm sure you you've probably heard of it from your time, or your son's time yes. here. Um, yes. So I'm just curious. I've got a lot of Pistons friends, one specifically who's a pretty big Luca fan. Just would love to hear about his experience in Detroit, obviously kind of where he started his career, a young, uh, you know, up and coming team. And certainly just would love to hear about kind of that time in Detroit. Sure, sure. Great question. I, um, you know, we we uh, really enjoyed Detroit and, and, and Luca did, too. Of course, it was our, you know, uh, uh, are uh, breaking our teeth, you know, so to speak, or, uh, you know, getting into the NBA, right, uh, was there. And what was really nice is um, uh, Jeremy Grant, who we, is a DMV guy, and we've worked out together over the summers, you know, not every day, but he's in the gym, and, you know, we, we get together. And so it was nice to have that familiar uh, face there, veteran um, uh, guy there. The other guy there that was, uh, all of them were a lot of fun, but uh, the other one was uh, Magruder, who was also a DMV guy, also a, a vet, and 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 um, really just a, a classy people, and and uh, and then all the friendships, you know, Kelly Alnick and and um, and Lee, uh, my gosh. So uh, overall, I thought it was, um, you know, you're going to uh, jump into the NBA. Um, that was a nice place to do it. And I'm um, sorry things didn't work out, you know, just. Uh, this is NBA's a business and, mm-hmm. and things are going on. And, and so you, you can't exactly know what, um, uh, you know, what the plans are, but uh, it didn't include, uh, it didn't include Luca going forward, but the people, the places around there, I, I hung out a lot in Fisher theater. I love that building. There's yeah. a lot of fun stuff, but uh, Stella's down there and hanging yep. out. It's fantastic. Yeah. And certainly uh, I know, for the people here, they're not happy that it didn't work out. But I personally, as a Timberwolves fan, am very happy that it didn't work out. <laughs> and I'm hoping, <laughs> certainly hoping Luca's found a home in Minnesota long term. I, I spent yeah. some years there as well. So I think that's a great Minneapolis, St. Paul's a great spot. Before we pivot away from Detroit, just a fun one. Do you, where, where did Luca spend a lot of his time in Detroit? Where did he live while he was there? Did he have a favorite kind of area, neighborhood? A lot of people don't realize, you know, Detroit, and you, you can speak to this having spent time here. You think of Detroit, you probably think of 10, 15, 20 years ago. It is, it's become a, a really special place, and, and it's really uh, come a long way. Well, yeah, plus architecturally speaking, you know, in the heyday, all that stuff there, you're just not going to find stuff built like that anymore. Uh, you know, just so it's an incredible amount of history. By the way, we, too, are glad that we're at the Timberwolves, right? And, uh, <laughs> Let's go. You know, I mean, so, uh, you know, absolutely uh, we're very happy about that. And... Uh, um and and whatnot so i, I want to make sure I, I said that as well uh so um remind me of the question again yeah just um, just for a fun one for the people that listen that that are familiar with detroit 
just kind of where, you know, Luca may, may have spent his time a lot, you know, while he was here, like what neighborhood he lived in and kind of if he, you know, I know. Yeah. He's here for okay. Yeah, there it is. You know, Trip at my age, I get these little senior moments. So I have to like, you know, ask, I just, hey, what, what, did you just ask me a question? On... <laughs> well, I feel that way too. And I'm 29. So what does that tell you? All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, you can't say senior moment. You're going to have to come up with another term. I, this you know, is an easier one for me to use. But, uh, <laughs> all right. So, uh, yeah, Luca was at, uh, stayed at the Boulevard's um, uh, apartments, um, yep. which um, – and where he spent most of his time was, was uh, 1.2 miles away in the practice facility. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, I love that. Many, I love that. Yeah, we spent many nights there, and uh, – and he spent uh, way more time there with the team and then, then uh, working with others and stuff. But, um, um, yeah, so, I mean, Luca that first year particularly was so, you know, on the road, here, gone, this and that. But when he did, when he did uh, have some time, um, he'd mostly hang out with his, uh, his teammates, you know, Lee and, and Olnick, and they they go do their things, and they had houses out in different areas and Jeremy's, and so he got – more uh, familiarized in that first year of course but the season hit right away so he didn't really get to wander out far beyond because it was just such a intense you know you're there you know the, the training and then and then, then you got your games and then you know and then boom it's it's uh, it's over you know so um but yeah he loved the mall going out and hanging out in the mall and and uh, doing some of that stuff as well i'm trying to remember the place It'll come to me, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's hard to imagine. We went from Iowa to Michigan. Okay. It's maybe a lateral, lateral up in terms of weather. Yep. And then we go to Minneapolis and we go cold, colder, coldest. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's funny. That's why I moved, Frank. I'm originally, but I moved to Phoenix because that is no joke out there in Minnesota. A lot of people don't know that is no joke. It's Certainly no the players joke. know that, but you said Luca, he spent most of his time in the practice facility. I loved hearing that. That's one of the reasons that I love your son. The work ethic your son has is off the charts. And that's probably one of the reasons why he made it to the NBA. And even when he's on the court, I always see Luca working so hard. That work ethic your son has, that's special. And that's, um, you know, something I'm guessing he gets a little bit from you, Frank. So how, how does, Luca Garza, how's he done this? How's he evolved into the NBA player? And how much did you push Luca growing up, man? Well, it's a uh, you know, lot to unpack there, but very, very, uh, very good question. I, um, uh, you know, wasn't so much of, uh, and it's it's a team effort, right? He's uh, so my my wife and his, his sister, and then we've got a whole. Uh, what I call a team of advisors that uh, we've, that he's built that's on his team that, uh, so it's not just his dad, his granddad, he's got his other coaches. He's got some other uh, lady uh, that we're closely with. There's all different people on his advisory board, but for Luca, it wasn't so much, Hey, we're going to make it to the NBA. Although I know he wanted to do that. It was more about teaching him life through sport. (laughs) Because I do believe that, sports is life in the miniature right you got the rules yeah. there's it's there's beginning and an end it's over there's enforcement and there's only you know a result and it's and, and it's abs- it, it's absolutely uh, clear at the end and so for us it was more about teaching him um uh, the value of hard work and to trust that doing the right things 
you know, it's that old wooden quote. If you're not prepared to do it right, when are you prepared to do it over? You know, mm-hmm. and so we looked at the game. And of course, Lucas, and I don't mean this in a bad way, he's probably the, the worst physical athlete in the NBA. Not intangibles, but mm-hmm. physical. Uh, lowest jump rate, this and that. But the great thing about the game is you don't have to be, it helps if you're a phenomenal athlete, but what it really requires is that you become a basketball player. Mm hmm. And fundamentals and wisdom will seek ta- uh, will 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 beat talent almost every time if you put those together. So for him, it was all about learning the fact that uh, he's going to compete in this game, the game that he loves. He's going to have to do it <laughs> in this following path, which he's going to have to work harder than anyone else because he doesn't have a 48 inch jump reach. You know, uh, he can't. Uh, uh, you know, uh, he's going to have to run every time because he doesn't run a forty in four point two seconds. But as I'll say to you, and Luca has said, is Luca runs hard every time on the court. Someone who can run a four two forty, does he run that hard every time on the court? Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, that's uh, probably not. Probably right? not. Yeah, probably not. Just when you blow the whistle for a, for someone's on the other end with a stopwatch. But in terms of the game, are you are you you know, are you exploding every time? And well, it was a no option behavior for us, gentlemen. It was, uh, it was about him uh, learning the fundamentals first. I mean, I wouldn't let him shoot outside the key. Uh, I wouldn't even let him shoot a three till he was in the, I think almost the ninth grade wow. because I wouldn't let him mess up his form. <laughs> you know, I just get somebody be able to throw mm-hmm. stuff up there, build bad habits and, and rewire stuff physically. That's hard to, to, uh, to rewire and, and reset, so to speak. So it was a, um, and I'll tell you the other thing I did, guys. Uh, just uh, you could be parents uh, one uh-huh. day, and and uh, is uh, I let him watch TV at times. You'd have TV time, but all I would have around were all these VHSs of basketball stuff. I had uh, mm-hmm. Pistol Pete, I had Kareem, I had uh, Shaq story, I had uh, there we go. Yeah, uh, I had all the NBA greatest moment. I had all this stuff on there, so he got to see that. So it was like I don't believe in pushing. I I, I want. I want uh, what I do for work. I want it's called the Socratic method where they pull. You want them to pull you to go to practice. You want them to pull you to do new things rather than you pushing. Hey, you got to go work. I, we never did that. Never have ever have to say, hey, look, we have to go work out. It was always, dad, let's go. You'd have to get me up. Right. In the early days, hey, you have to get me up. If you want to go practice, you got to get me up. I'm not going to get you up. Right. This is for you. This is what, you know. So all mm-hmm. the way al- along the way, he owned his own development. He owned his, and that, and thus it meant more and was of higher value too. Oh, that's amazing. Um, I-, I love when a player wants to work out. I think that's one of the reasons why we're starting to really not only just love your son, but love certain things about the Timberwolves, including like seeing that from guys like Anthony Edwards and everything like that. And that should make Timberwolves fans, <clears throat> Timberwolves fans really excited. Uh, Frank, when did you know, Luca Garza, your son had. When did you know? Like, when was that moment when it was like, "Hey, he could be an NBA player. This is for real." When when did that moment really click in for you? Yeah, great question. This is uh, I, uh, a couple of people have asked this before, and it was interesting because I hadn't really thought about it. You know, it's um, uh, went to school in D.C., Washington D.C. at Murray School, which is a smaller uh, private school, but competed against. Uh, like Gonzaga, which was 3,000 men only, right? And and, and the school he went to, Murray School, the, uh, the total school was 600 boys and girls, uh, but it was K through 12. 
not just high school. So, okay. you know, you know, his high school class, I think, had 60 a graduating class. So he's up competing against a senior class of a thousand. Right. In, in you know, in 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 in, um, in school populations, 10 times the amount of where or no, five times the amount, five to six times the amount that uh, where he went to school. And we did that for a reason. So he wouldn't be pigeonholed so he could play and expand his game and not just mm-hmm. be the typical typical big guy. But when I first had that thought that, yeah, we could um, we could um, I know he'd always make money playing ball, but where you have a good shot at, at the NBA was at the end of his high school uh, uh, season. They have uh, all star games here in the D.C. Some are very well known. The Clap- uh, Capital Classics one's huge. It's, it's got a huge legendary. It's been around forever. Well, in each one of the three all-star games, he was MVP in each one of them. And Ooh. so it was the all-stars of everyone in the DMV were there. I mean, guys that, you know, making, I mean, in, 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 uh, in the NBA, you know. And so he went out and dominated in those three games. And then I sat back and went, yeah, okay, all right, I see it, you know. And, uh, and then, of course, then we had to start over going to the Big Ten, which is a huge leap from high school basketball into the a Power Five conference. Yeah, and he might end up being quite – I mean, obviously in Iowa, that's a no-brainer, but he might end up being one of the best players in Big Ten history, so credit to him and you and the family. When you mentioned something a minute ago, your advisory board, um, obviously it's going to be people close to him, and, and not only in, you know, inside of sports but outside of sports. Unfortunately, just quite frankly, a lot of people don't have that, and I think it's probably the most underrated asset that uh, a professional individual, whether sports or outside of sports, could have. And I, I'm just curious – I remember when, when Luca signed with the Timberwolves, I have to imagine there were, you know, several options. I'd love to kind of hear maybe what was it about Minnesota that may have attracted, you know, Luca, you, the family and, and the people close to him. Sure. Sure. Um, well, you know, the thing um, about the board of advisors, it's something that, um, you know, I have a saying, you know, you, know, you can't see your own ears, you know? Uh, and so you need people in your life uh, that not just family, but, that qualify and how they qualify, where well, they care for you, they demonstrate it and how they behave and how they, how you interact. And so you need to have, everyone needs to have a team of people just looking at your ears, you know, cause you can't see them and say, Hey, I, mm-hmm. have you thought about this? Have you seen this? Have you done that? And so plus as a father, um, yeah, I, I want to say this it may sound kind of funny, but you know, you, you need to understand, even as a father, I have a conflict of interest with my son. It's kind of crazy huh. to say, right? So, I, his board of advisors are people just devoted to him like I am and, my, and his you know, mother and the family and everything. But in terms of that, you still need to be well-rounded so that uh, the interests are clear. I mean, um, what was it? Abe Lincoln talked about, uh, you, you know, you can't have decisions where conflict of interest exists uh, if you want a pure one. So uh, that's the, the purpose of, um, of that. Now, to the second part of your question, um, and I recommend that for anyone. Luca had that as a young kid. I mean, Lefty Drizel, for instance, the Hall of Fame coach is on his board of advisors, right? Ooh. Chuck Drizel, his son, who was his high school coach at Beret, is on. So, I mean, I'm just telling you, it's a very, um, uh, you know, uh, expanded board, and it grows. And, and guess what? Anyone can be fired. I could be fired, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, right. The board of directors is a, is a, is a board. It moves, it grows, and, and, and helps. Um, as it relates to the Timberwolves, uh, one of the things that was most exciting for us was uh, Tim Connolly, who we had uh, familiarity with uh, at Denver, because before Luca made the decision to come back and play his mm-hmm. senior year, we were actually thinking about going to Denver. Wow. 
and um, and the reason for that was uh, well, you know, Connolly family's a DMV family, uh, and so they were familiar, you know, with what's going on. They had had an interest in Luca, and so I was familiar with his uh, basketball acumen. I mean, he found Jokic before Jokic was anybody, right? So the guy not only knew basketball, but he had an international flair. Of course, my wife's from Bosnia, so I have an international flair as well. So it's like uh-huh. I. Um, it's something where it was very impressive how he set it up, how he built it, and what they were doing, and the, and the flow of things. And then, of course, uh, Coach uh, Coach Finch, you know, which is a guy that uh, uh, has a really interesting style, uh, and it's uh, it's uh, it's something that's uh, guy knows basketball and the kind of team that we must be with that we're you know to, to um, in the NBA is is one that really understands basketball and is not going to be of not going to be intimidated by looking at a guy that's not the fastest or doesn't jump the high, but is uh-huh. when you look at his stats, his highest efficiency, he's grabbing boards, he's taking a charge, he's diving on the ground, he's tipping the ball, he's doing all these other intangible things that add up to uh, a win. And and so that's different in the NBA. You got a lot of young coaches out there just looking at what's fast and high and jumps high. And we're just going to run you to death, you know, or we're going to go small ball, or we're going to do a whole bunch of other things, which is all part of the game. But what really wins is a basketball mind and playing basketball. I love that. I love that. Um, you know, I, I think we love Chris Finch here. I think he's made a difference. It's always good when we hear an outside perspective talking about Finch. I know there's been a lot of people questioning him this year uh, with that start the Timberwolves had earlier in the year. Uh, Tripp and I never gave up on Chris Finch. I'm glad that was one of the reasons. I didn't know that stuff about Tim Conley in Denver. That's that's interesting. What do you think of that, Tripp? Yeah, that's fascinating. Tim Conley is the kind of guy you remind. I mean, <laughs> I want to say that his his leadership style is very similar to something that I would seek out as a employee. You know, an employee of someone. So. I, it's fascinating to hear that, 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 you know, relationships, we, we obviously aren't as keen to it from, from an outside perspective as you are, Frank, in terms of, you know, it's a family decision and, and you're kind of at the forefront of, you know, you know, the agent side, you know, the, the GM side, the front office, that whole ordeal. So to me, that's, it, it's fascinating to, to see how overlooked by the average everyday fan, you know, relationships play in a decision. Yeah. What's, uh, I mean, yeah. No, you know, the other thing I was just going to say about, about Chris is uh, Coach Chris was like, uh, you know, the thing about a coach and a leader is things. Yeah, they're not going. It's like saying, hey, I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. So, you uh-huh. know, the idea is that you want to keep the team moving positive. Now, that's hard to do because you still have to be critical. you got to be constructive. Hey, that kind of effort on the court's not good enough. You need to do it, but you got to do it in a way with dignity See, coaching is the art of correcting without resentment. Hmm. See, and that's, a, I think, one of the things he does, he does fairly and well. And that's why I think you've seen this increase, because if you treat them, you know, it, it's like this. If you take a seed, let's just take an apple tree seed and we put it on the table and we say, hey, grow. Hey, grow faster. Come on, grow mm-hmm. harder. Jump higher. It, it's not going to do a thing. <laughs> What do you got to do? You got to put it in the soil. You got to water it. You got to sing to it. You got to do whatever to it. You got to love uh-huh. it. And that's what a fantastic coach does. And that's why I put Chris in that category is because um, uh, he's leading them to where he wants them to be. Yeah. And he's, and he's doing it without an all NBA talent and Carl Anthony Towns on the side. I think right. a lot of people need to give him credit when credit is due. That's not, that's not an easy 
job to do, Frank. No, oh, no, not at all. You know, and and also without, you know, I don't want to, you know, get too much in uh, saying anything wrong with me, but also with Jordan you know, McLaughlin not being oh, out there huge. too. Is, I mean, because I see, you know, I think he's got a really unique ability to distribute and do stuff that has a certain grace to the game that we missed. Uh, we missed Mr. Cat. You know, are you kidding me? But it, it's a tribute, and it's a very good point that you bring out that he was with 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 Cat being out, which is a franchise player. And then not having, you know, a distributor out there, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a testament to coaching and the character of the players, which I have to say, um, lots of friends in Detroit, but uh, even um, stronger relationships here uh, uh, with, with this team, which is fantastic. And that's such a, a, such a critical thing that even just people that are in business or whatever you do for a living, you got to have a group of, of coworkers and peers around you that you value and respect and have a relationship with. Otherwise, you know, it's going to be every man for themselves and you're only going to be able to go as far as your weakest link in that regard. Frank, uh, can't thank you enough. As we wrap, one thing I want to quickly hit on, something that uh, I qu- certainly relate to you with, uh, more so in the fact that I hope that one day I am where you are. I myself have, have been in uh, tech sales for uh, coming up on four years. Uh, oh, super. Yes. So I All know right. you have a website called Conscious Selling, something you yes. may be hearing from me about because I'm probably going to sign up. Uh, but if you could maybe highlight that and, and just I know you've built a, an incredibly you know, successful career on the tech sales side and, and with tech. So if you could tell us a little bit about that and kind of what Conscious Selling is all about. Yeah. Hey, I really appreciate that question. I, I really do. Thank you for that. Uh, uh, yeah. Conscious selling. Uh, listen, they don't teach you in school uh, how to have discourse or how to have a discussion where you're trying to present ideas because listen, anything real was sold first. Yep. 100%. Hey, Kennedy. Hey, we're going to the moon safely and returning safely. And we didn't even know really how to get out of our ionosphere. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, what? Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> right. Isabella in Spain, you know, what, you know, conquering the, the new Americas, you know, and all that stuff. So everything real was imagined first, but beyond imagination takes the ability to have a discussion where you can speak intelligently about these things in a way. And it's an art. Selling is an art. So we created conscious selling and we called it conscious selling because what we find out there, since no one has had any training and no one really knows how to do it and no one really gets it. They just look around and see what's working or read a book and then there they do it. And so we call it conscious selling because there's a lot of non-conscious behavior going out in the sales world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in other words, if you could be inside the head of the buyer with a typical seller, you'd be hearing things like, Oh my God, when is this over? <laughs> this guy stopped talking about himself. So all these things that we're non-conscious to. So conscious selling, we, my partner, I guru Ganesha, we created to, to, break down the mechanics of selling and particularly, you know, we were brought into Salesforce to help them sell the idea of the cloud. Now, listen, 14 years ago, if I said the cloud, you think I was on drugs. What do you mean? It's uh, you want me to get rid of my software. You want me to go to my uh, closet to get rid of my, uh, my, my whole deck and my uh, hardware. You about the weather. Yeah. Oh yeah. A cloud. Yeah. It follows you around 24. What do you want? Drugs, man. So the same thing with LinkedIn. We were brought into with LinkedIn to talk about why would you ever need a LinkedIn address? Now that is professional selling. And so what we've been able to do is create a selling system. That's, uh, you know, it's 
adopted by these top trillion dollar valued companies, uh, you know, uh, across the globe. And that's why I'm going to Singapore. I'm doing a big kickoff there on a training. And so the idea is that uh, just like with basketball selling, you're not born a seller. Right. You learn it and you can learn how to do it. And, and in fact, those that don't like sales actually end up being the best at sales because they follow our system. <laughs> right. They follow yeah. a system. So it becomes easier you know, one foot in front of the other, and then you're out the door. That kind of I, thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I love it. For me personally, when I learned that about you, I got really fired up because, you know, you know better than anyone. The best salespeople aren't ones that, that learn it and then just have a baseline understanding. It's the people that are constantly seeking to improve and evolve and educate themselves. And like you said, you don't learn that in school. So I myself am looking forward to signing up for Conscious Selling. I'll direct message you. We'll discuss it. But I'm looking yeah, forward yeah, to Yeah, yeah, DM it. Yeah, yeah, yep. no, DM me, you know, DM me, that'd be fantastic. And, it, uh, uh, and you know what, I, I use the same system with um, um, the selling system for my, my son uh, and my, my daughter growing up. For like, my daughter would come down and say, geez, you know, dad, I have to go study. I said, hey, listen, and we called this, um, it's a certain technique, but the, the thing is, hey, why would you ever want to study? Right, that's an odd <laughs> thing for a parent to say. Well, uh, you know, I want to get a good grade. Well, why would you want to get a good grade? Uh, well, then uh, maybe I'd get to a good school. Well, why would you even want to go to a good school? Because then I could get a good job. Okay, you convince me. Go study. <laughs> and, what and what happens in sales is, there's, is just the opposite. The seller is trying to tell you, hey, you need to go do this so you can go into school. You need to do this. You can go get a job. And you need to go do this. And, do this. and the person ain't going to do nothing. They may go in the room, but they ain't going to crack a book because it wasn't their idea. Right. And overall in life not just selling in life uh anytime there's a yes or a no or a no someone is selling yeah. you're either selling your answer or you're selling, or you're selling your, your ask so best to learn it than to be victim to it that's so true such a good point frank we can't thank you enough and such a pleasure getting to pick your brain certainly your son is a lot of people that listen to this he is absolutely their favorite player uh we certainly evan and i i know have spoken about this off off the air we we hope to see luca in a timberwolves jersey for a very 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 long time and it's clear that he's got a great group of you know family friends and people around him and that starts with you so we cannot thank you enough follow him on twitter at frank garza 57 check out consciousselling.com that is in the link in his twitter bio frank thank you so much all right. Thank you all. And a big uh, thank you, too, to all the fans and, and making us feel so at home uh, in Minneapolis. It means the world to us. Love it. All right. Th thanks again, Frank. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening. The Timberwolves look to bounce uh, against the Orlando Magic this Friday. That should be a tough one. The Orlando Magic are playing pretty good. But until then, go Wolves. <laughs>